This Week in Baby Quest, all of the answers to the questions that you weren't too afraid to ask. <laughs> Quest. My name is Mike. And I'm Leah. How are you this week? Uh, good. It's a little hot, but I'm okay. Got some heat rash. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I also said when you were out in the sun one day that you should put on sunscreen, and you were like, shut up! I don't listen to you ever! And then you got horrible sunburn. Um, so you did say for me to put on sunscreen, and I didn't listen to you. I didn't get a horrible sunburn. I got a little sunburn. Okay. So this week on the podcast, we're taking a break from our boring story, <laughs> even though there's like a little bit left to catch you right up. And then we're going to get into other different things, like specific topics, like we're actually going to talk about grief one day. Maybe. Uh, maybe. And trying to conceive and all kinds of different things. And we have a special guest lined up, so that's happening, and we have multiple special guests. Yeah. But today we wanted to answer some of our, some of the many, 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 many questions that we got. Just kidding, we didn't get very many. Yeah, but some of them take some explanation, so. We got some good questions. We put a call out for questions and we got some good ones. Yeah. You should stop rubbing your <laughs> legs, though. Okay. So should we get right into the questions? Yeah. Question the first. Why are you using the voice that you use for your D&D &D character? I want to know how often Leah has to test her pee. Like every day or every week. Help! And that's from Poppy. Okay, so I know that this is in reference to me testing for ovulation. But I'll explain it like you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. So one of the ways that people who ovulate and are trying to get pregnant, one of the methods of predicting ovulation, there's a couple methods. You can take your temperature every morning and like watch for a, like a temperature change. I do not do that because I think that I wouldn't be very good at taking it at the exact moment that I wake up every single morning. I use ovulation tests. So what they are is like a little dipstick thing. Like a little piece of paper. Yeah. Well, it's like the acidic basic litmus test strips, basically. Sure. From science class. Sure. So you take the strips, you dunk it in your pee for five seconds, and then you let the test sit for like five to 10 minutes and then you read the result. But there are like a couple of very specific things you have to follow when you're doing ovulation tests. So I always start testing around cycle day 11. So for those of you who don't know, cycle day one is the day you get your period. And so cycle day 11 is when I start testing and you can't use your first morning pee, but you have to have held your pee for two hours. And the test works better the more concentrated your pee is. So I don't consume a lot of water while testing for ovulation because I want my pee to be really concentrated. 
So So that's a good idea. Dehydrate yourself. <laughs> yeah. And that's the key to fertility. Basically every month I dehydrate myself for like five or more days. I didn't know you actually didn't drink as much water intentionally. Oh yeah. What? Yeah, because you need your pee to be more concentrated. Maybe that's why it's not working. I don't think that's why. I'm getting positives on my ovulation test. Sure. <laughs> but what about the other tests? The pregnancy test? Not so much. Okay. Okay, so you you pee into a cup. It's nice and yellow. Yes, I have learned like the exact color that it needs to be. And I can tell as soon as I pee if it's going to be like, if it's worth even testing or not. And if it's too light, I don't even bother. I like dump the pee and I try again. Where do you dump the pee? <laughs> In the toilet. Okay. Uh, so you take the test, you leave it on the, like leave it to sit for five to 10 minutes, come back, look at the test. And I have an app on my phone that reads the test, reads the concentration level, and you're waiting for a spike. Okay, it reads it by like taking a picture of it. Yeah, but it like you're gives... not you're not putting pee into your phone though. No. Okay. But it like tells me like a number. It gives me like a numerical value of like how concentrated, like how high the so it's testing for LH, the LH hormone, which I mean has a real big name that I don't know. I just know it by the short form. Yeah, the app will tell me like what like what level it is so it normally starts off very low which is completely normal and then as it goes it like gets higher and what you want it so there's two lines on the test like a control line and then the test line and you want the test line to be darker than the control line and that's when you've gotten a positive for ovulation oh and then your ovulation will occur somewhere between like i think it's like 12 to 24 hours after you get a positive ovulation test so when you get a test when do you want to try to have sex around that time so you want to i mean ideally you've been having sex maybe like a few days before you get the positive and then the day you get the positive and like the day after only like one day after yeah one because the egg is only viable oh i got that number wrong sorry you ovulate within 24 to 48 hours after your positive ovulation test the egg is only viable once it's been released from the ovary for 12 to 24 hours after it's been released and so if a sperm does not make contact with the egg in that time frame then nothing happens Gotcha. But the sperm that have been hanging out in there for four days. Yeah. So sperm can like survive inside your body for like three to five days. Just like chilling in there. Just waiting like, hey, where are the eggs at? Where the eggs at? Where the eggs at? You bet? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> so we have another question from Poppy. Okay. And Poppy gets to ask two questions because she is our friend and uh she also hosts another great podcast about the ottawa senators which everyone should go listen to called this a melnick in life mm -hmm. which is a really really funny name <laughs> that i came up with for them wow so just <laughs> plug in your own work here huh all right so go listen to Poppy and Beata's work because I came up with the name. And Poppy asks, mm -hmm. Mike, 
you gotta tell us if you eat certain foods or something to keep that nut strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike. So I'll start answering this by saying that this is not a medical podcast, <laughs> and we are not here to offer medical advice, but I do work at a hospital, so maybe? No. Maybe a little? No. So this is actually something that I've only just recently started thinking about or paying attention to because... And by thinking about, do you mean stressing over? Started stressing about because, number one, as you've heard from our story before, Leah and I previously had no problems getting pregnant whatsoever. And I wouldn't say we're in the territory of having problems yet, but we've tried now for six, This five. will be six. We are in month six. <laughs> we'll see about month six. But so we've tried for five consecutive months with not a lot going on. And by a lot, I'm not not a lot. I mean like negative pregnancy tests every month. <laughs> yeah, and so obviously I'm thinking it's my fault. Well, that's good because I think it's my fault. Well, we'll see. So the biggest change in food that I've made since the last time I made Leah pregnant was that I've become vegetarian since then. Did this for a number of reasons. So does that mean we can go back to eating meat and then I'll get pregnant? No, I did this for a number of different reasons. One is because it's great for the environment. Two, I don't like hurting animals. Leah does, so she still eats meat. Listen, I eat 95% vegetarian. There is like a 5% portion of my diet that is animal. What percent of animal were those burgers you ate yesterday? That was my 5% of eating animals. Okay. Anyway, that 5% of a cow does not thank you. Mike is sassy. Anyways. Um, so I started looking into it, and so since I've become a big soy boy, I had this terrible thought that, well, soy is just pumping me chock full of estrogen, I'm never gonna have a sperm again, this is terrible, and I started looking into it a little bit, and again, this is all very recent, so if someone has more up-to-date or different information, please let me know and we'll revisit this topic. But everything I saw was from this one big study that came out in 2008 that said uh, soy consumption was linked to lower sperm count. And the issues with this study is, well, first of all, it's the one study that everyone seems to cite when you do a search for sperm and soy on DuckDuckGo. <laughs> you tried Google. <laughs> I don't at Google. Using Google is the eating meat of search engines. Oh my god. so yeah so everything seems to be pointing back to this one 2008 study which had a really small sample size it was only 99 people were part of it they found that the low sperm counts and soy consumption happened much higher in people who were obese and morbidly obese which doesn't seem like a big surprise and the study ends off by saying We should do a bigger study about this, because maybe there's something interesting. And also something to note is that this isn't really an issue in Asian countries and other cultures where they regularly consume tons and tons of soy. They don't seem to have a sperm problem. Well, they don't have an infertility problem. Like... Sure. Like Western North America does. Right. They may have some demographic problems coming up, but that's a different story. Yeah. We'll do a different podcast about Japan's aging population issues. We are not the people to discuss (laughs) it. 
So it seems like it's probably not a huge deal eating a bunch of soy. This is not answering Poppy's question, though, which was... And I mean, was... like, how much soy do you eat? Maybe tofu once, like... Tofu once or twice a week, and I love my oh, chocolate silk. a lot of... My dark chocolate soy milk. Yeah, you do love that. Okay. That stuff is so good. Uh, so full of protein. Drink it after a run. It's delicious. I mean, interestingly enough, I did read, so, like, there is, like, a little bit of an urban legend myth that, like, you're the type of underwear that a person who produces sperm wears, like, We're can affect... talk about edible underwear? No. Can affect, like, make, like, their ability to make sperm. Mm. Like, everybody's like, oh, you gotta wear boxers, you can't, like, wear briefs because they're too constricting and, like... But apparently that's like a total myth. It's not a thing. Also, it's the year two thousand. Hot tubs are a thing, though. What are? Hot tubs will. Right. I haven't been in a hot tub in a long time, and... Those will. Hot tubs... Will cook you. Spas are not going to exist anymore after (laughs) the pandemic, so we don't have to worry about (laughs) that. We're never going back to Le Nordique again. (laughs) Uh, We're going to have to make our own Le Nordique. In our backyard. Well, I guess after we're done needing sperm. Yeah. Also, it's the year 2020. Nobody should be wearing boxers or briefs because boxer briefs exist. (laughs) Right. Sorry. End of discussion. This still doesn't answer Poppy's question about eating certain foods. the, The best way that I can answer this question is by saying Leah told me she came into the room while I was doing something else one night and said, B12 is important for sperm. And then I said, oh, no, I don't eat meat. And I'm probably horribly B12 deficient. And I have these B12 supplements that I haven't been taking because I don't love the way they taste and I've never gotten anything else. And so for the last month or so, I've been very careful about taking my B12. And we'll let you know if it works. (laughs) So that's it. The other thing I did read was that like... For men, eating a diet with a variety of colors, so lots of vegetables and fiber, and is, like, beneficial to sperm production. And also, eating a plant-based diet is better than eating... You didn't even tell me that. Sorry. (laughs) I didn't want to give you more. I know exactly why you didn't tell me. All right, so our friend Meg asks, are we allowed to reveal Meg's identity now that she's asked a question on the podcast? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) So Meg is the friend last week who set up the meal train and everything for us, for whom we are very thankful. I was clapping. I don't think the mic will hear that, but okay. Yeah, still not sure. Anyway. All right. You let me know in editing. Meg asks, what resources do you wish exist for parents that don't currently? Which I'm... So which resources don't exist, not the parents that don't exist? <laughs> um. So we recently had an opportunity to do an interview with... Wait, are we allowed to say that we had, did an interview for this? Well, we will be vague. 
So we did an interview in which we were asked questions about, you know, we were asked questions like this about, you know, going forward, what would you like to see be put in place? And it was coming from like a government viewpoint. And so we said, you know, we would really love for there to be some sort of uh, certificate or documentation that proves Eliza existed. Because I don't know if many of you know, when you experience a stillbirth or basically any type of like pregnancy and infant loss, you don't get a birth certificate. So we have nothing from like the province that proves that Eliza existed. And so our hope is that there will one day be something that the government gives, I mean, all parents who go through something like this, that says, like, that recognizes their child. I understand why it's really tough, too, though. Yeah, it's a very, so, like... Because we have to, (laughs) then we're deciding when does life begin. Right. (laughs) Which is... Maybe a different podcast topic. Uh, philosophical, ethical, religious debate. Yeah. And you also, you don't get a death certificate, again, because the child was never alive outside of the womb. Yeah, and I agree that it was really tough to not have those things and not have... Eliza be officially recognized by any kind of governing body or whatever. But again, I get why. Yeah, like I don't know how you why fix that. it's happened. I understand why it's happened. I still don't think it's right. I still think we need something. And I look at it from like a family history perspective because my family yeah. is very big into family history. So I think about you know my my father's traced our family back to like the 1600s in England. And so I think about it in the sense of in future generations, when they are looking at our family tree, are they going to know about Eliza? Yeah. And right now, the only way we have to tell her story is the oral story that we have of her. This cool podcast. This cool podcast. Um, People will still be listening to this in 400 years. Hopefully. Uh, Pictures. But, you know, at some point, the oral story gets changed and lost. And, like, that just happens, right? And so I wouldn't want that, like, that's the only way her memory is being passed on. We We need something else. And, I mean, I've taken steps into doing that for our family personally. But... I think about all the other people. Yeah. Also, I was worried about, like, how does this affect my taxes? I didn't get any documentation that tells me how to do this on my taxes. Right. What do I need to know about my taxes? Apparently nothing. And then I did my taxes. They don't care. It did not factor in They don't give a damn. So that's cool. Oh, Um, yeah. So I, I guess the one other thing that another resource that would be cool might be for... More than five bereavement days, that comes from my employer, but they're, I don't know, I feel like there should be some sort of government time off, your child died. Yes, I think there needs to be a universal, like, provincially or across Canada, a universal set of, like, when your 
child dies, you are going to get this many weeks because we recognize you are dealing with your grief and can't go back to work. Because if you don't have an employer that, you know, or you don't have benefits through your employer that allows you to take, you know, sick leave or stress leave or whatever it is, yeah. then when your five days are up, you go back to work. And I just don't know how that's possible. Right. All right. So let's do one more question. Okay. This one comes to us from Stephanie, who is your nephew's wife. <laughs> so I think that makes her my wife-in-law. I don't think so. Is that her official title? No. <laughs> um, but she's your niece-in-law, in- <laughs> um, which makes her my wife-in-law. Okay? No. <laughs> Are you sure? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, she has a question. How has your family been towards you guys throughout this process? And we're going to answer this question by saying right out of the gates that even if our family had certain members that were terrible or not helpful, we're probably not going to put them on blast on our podcast right here on episode (laughs) seven. Um, Fair. So there've been some ups and downs. And if you're listening to this, it's probably not you. (laughs) Just so you know. Um, But... And I mean, there's been some ups and downs because I think people don't know how to handle it, right? Like, people don't know that for us, talking about Eliza and acknowledging her and celebrating Mother's Day and Father's Day because we are parents are important things for us. Yeah, and... And there are folks who come from much, 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 much older generations. Yeah. Uh, Someone... Where this wasn't... When this happened back in the day, it wasn't talked about. Right? You didn't discuss it. There may have been someone in my family who I said, do you want to see pictures of Eliza? And they said, yeah. And then I showed them pictures and they were like wait a minute, they made you hold her? Wasn't this horrible? Like, can you believe this? This is so awful. And it was like, no. No. (laughs) Not. No, actually, no. It's probably a good thing I wasn't in the room when that happened. Yeah, you weren't around. (laughs) This really narrows down the possibilities of who it could be, but still. But overall, our families have been extremely supportive Mm -hmm. and extremely understanding and extremely willing to learn along with us well that's what i was gonna say i think like that comes from us being like pretty explicit with people about what what our expectations are yeah right and if somebody says something that doesn't fit with our outlook on what grief looks like for us and what we want and how we're going to move forward with this we just say like nope (laughs) that's not true yeah right and we just like kind of move on from there yeah so that's kind of been helpful but overall yeah everybody's been really nice which has been (laughs) very helpful yeah which is more helpful than not being nice yes so that's all the questions we got if anyone if this has triggered a question in your big brain and you said boy i wish i knew this 
or even if you want to ask us goofy advice style questions that like we may not be the right people to ask at all but we're happy to give bad advice and have stuff to talk about yeah do you have questions about fertility pregnancy infant loss again we're not doctors no medical advice will be given here but as a reminder i do work at the hospital so no but yeah we'd love to get your questions uh you can send them to us on instagram at babyquestpod or you can send them to us on twitter at babyquestcast because babyquestpod was taken Somehow. Still not sure how or why, but they don't have any tweets, so. Perfect. Real helpful. (laughs) And we haven't really been asking anyone to rate us or review us on iTunes because I don't think we're big enough for it to matter at all yet. But some of you, someone, some people have gone on there, dropped those five stars, and that's really nice that someone thinks that we're five star worthy. This podcast is good. And we got a, we actually got an iTunes, iTunes doesn't exist. We got an Apple Podcasts <laughs> review. Oh my gosh. From is someone, this our first review? Yeah, from someone, I don't even know who it is, because they, they're called Laundry X 1000. Laundry Times 1000? Is it somebody who does a lot of laundry? Someone who does a lot of laundry. Or is it somebody that really likes laundry? Who does a lot of laundry? Parents. Parents. Someone who has a kid. <laughs> so this is someone who has a child. <laughs> And they're rubbing it in our face. Or do they really They really love laundry because they have a really nice laundry room and not a crappy laundry room like uh, we have. Maybe they love laundry so much they want to have children but can't. Oh, maybe. That's probably it. That's more of our audience. <laughs> it's I want to read this cool review. Wait, do I want to read it? I don't know. Why not? Let's read the review. Maybe if I read it, that will encourage other people to say nice things about us. Right, right. Obviously. This does sound like bragging, though, because I've got it open, and it's, like, it's way too nice. (laughs) Uh, But they say, if you're looking for a podcast that's different from anything you've heard before, and I assume that means they've only listened to, like, (laughs) professional, well-produced podcasts, (laughs) this is for you. Mike and Leah discuss their infertility journey and add in lots of humor to a subject that not many can speak about as effectively. All right. That's nice. That's a pretty glowing review. That's really good. You'll come away with many new catchphrases and a new appreciation for life and how to get there. What are our famous catchphrases? I don't know. Like when you sing the Grease soundtrack? Or when I say, don't have a cow, man. I don't think that's your catchphrase. Don't I say that? I don't know. I'm pretty sure I've said that a bunch on this podcast Um, and that's what they're referring to. I don't think so. So if, again, we keep asking for this and... I mean, we got some questions for this episode, but I thought this was pretty fun. Yeah, I would do this again. So I'd love to, yeah, send in more questions or topics or concerns or... (laughs) And if you know somebody that you think would like this podcast, share it with them. Yeah, that's the best thing. If you like it a lot and you want a whole bunch of people to know about it, tweet about it or... We haven't had anyone tweet about it yet. That would be huge. Yeah. We've never been tweeted. Uh, Share a story or something on Instagram. Oh my god, an Insta story. (laughs) I think... You could say that you were the first to TikTok BabyQuest. Think about that. We're not on TikTok. We're not on TikTok. Neither of us are on TikTok. We're not on TikTok. But that's okay. If you like it, 
that's great. All right. Are we done? Yeah, I think that's it? it. We answered every question that everyone's ever had. Cool. We are going to have a special fertility trying to conceive episode where we talk about like suggestions that we've been given. Oh, yeah. Myths. All the bad suggestions. We're going to debunk. Yeah. So if you want to know about that, you can let us know. Yeah. All right. We're done. We'll see you next week, though. Thanks for listening. I love you. Bye. Mwah.